Welcome to the Aquarian Mother Podcast, a podcast that supports you in your journey in motherhood. I am your host, Marie-André, a mother, meditator, and yogini, and I specialize in gently supporting mother both IRL and online. Welcome to the Aquarian Mother Podcast. You are listening to the very first episode. Today in the show, my motherhood journey. How exciting is this? This is my very first podcast, my very, very first attempt at podcasting. So I'm very excited. I'm very happy you're here with me. Um, some of you might know me, some of you not. My name is Marie-André. I am a mother. My baby is nine months old. I am also a yoga teacher and student. I have been practicing yoga and meditation for over 15 years. I am a professional contemporary artist by trade and by training and a PhD researcher in contemporary art. I am of white settler descent in so-called Canada. I was born and raised on unceded territories of the Innu, the Nitesnan. I am from a French-speaking minority uh, in Canada. Being a woman, of course, I face a lot of oppression, but I am a cisgendered and heterosexual woman, privilege not everyone enjoys. I have been an immigrant in Finland for almost seven years now. This has meant that I face ostracism from a society where national identity is central. However, I'm privileged. My immigration was chosen and not forced by difficult circumstances. And finally, I am what is called psychodivergent, but I have the privilege of passing more often than not. So this only prevents me from functioning uh, um, socially and professionally in a limited way. By the way, art and yoga have helped a lot with uh, my psychodiversity. This is how I position myself and I thought it was important to share this with you so you know where I'm speaking from. So, this is episode one. I have met uh, many women in the last years, past years, facing various challenges in motherhood. And also, I was one of those women. Uh, it prevented them to enjoy or achieve the motherhood they really desired, to be the mother they really, really want to be, or... Uh, to become what they really envision themselves being as mothers. I have been in that case, and even some days I'm still there. One thing I know for sure is that no matter what your envisioned motherhood looks like, it needs support and community. There is no other way to have a fulfilling experience. And it's really coming from there that um, 
this whole idea for this podcast and a lot of my work at the moment uh, stem. I have been myself struggling quite a bit. So that's one of the main motivation behind me talking to you today. My background, I guess, I'm more and more coming to terms with it. Um, I think being a mother uh, really helped um, in this, but also before I even could become pregnant, I had to do a lot of work. So I guess I grew up with some um, developmental lacks and traumas, as we would call them today. I was very stressed growing up in a very stressed environment. Um, Since childhood, I had heavy migraines, heavy eczema, disturbed sleep. I had anxiety, even though I did not realize it at that time. Um, And I had a very rebellious uh, teenagehood. And I started partying and drinking. But I feel at the same time, I was always a seeker. I was trying out meditation and yoga and vegetarianism, but I couldn't stick with it for so long because I was always in chaotic whirlpools with my relationship and with my traumas and with my self-esteem. And and if I fast forward a little, um, I ended up, entering a highly competitive field which is contemporary art uh, where you need to work and work and exhaust yourself and burn yourself out and it's very competitive who gets the money who gets the grant who gets the show whose work uh, gets showcased yeah so um, I worked incredibly hard because I wanted to ward off the shadow of the lazy, hazy, crazy woman I had been made to believe I was. Which, here is a scoop, I wasn't. It was just the trauma response making me operate in a loop of fight or flight and freeze mode for so long. After a little while in the field of the arts, I started to do more yoga. And I had a very strong asana practice. I did a lot of ashtanga and power yoga. And uh, retrospectively, I think it did contribute to destabilize my hormonal system. And also at one point I was doing hot power yoga like every day. And it's like, I mean, it's been really helpful for me to kind of step in my healing journey if you will but it's also very difficult not to get dehydrated and not to exhaust some of your systems Um, anyway at this point i had made a lot of lifestyle changes i became plant-based eater i practiced yoga every day i practiced meditation Uh, I had a very sustained creative flow as an artist also. The grind was bad, but 
being in a validated, uh, creative, a very nourishing otherwise place was very good for me. So that that was the the beginning of my my healing journey. Nevertheless, a few years later, I found myself married in another country, Finland, which if you know anything about it, you probably know it is super harsh, at least uh, for so many foreigners. I was thinking Finland and Canada would not be so different, that it would not be so shocking. Little did I know. And I guess we were not a particularly good fit with my husband and the relationship was quite difficult for me the immigration was extremely hard and I started to be very much into working like I developed this workaholic kind of a attitude um, and I I guess it gave me the sense of controlling at least something and I and I still needed to prove I was worthy and hardworking, not irresponsible um, and yeah I was in this this uh, very torn and very uh, difficult situation where I had been told so much that I was irresponsible and that I had no ambition and no discipline and that I was lazy but I was working so much and I was also traveling for work all the time which was also quite harsh on the system and I feel that specifically on the hormonal system is very hard and immigration was also I said a big deal which weirdly I'm very optimistic I guess I did not see coming beforehand so yeah the cultural stress and the shock and the language barrier like Finnish language is one of the very most difficult language in the world it's super weird after seven years I'm not yet uh, very good at it and it's quite a xenophobic place uh, I guess I experienced downward mobility and my status something like I need to renew papers and it's taking a long time and I cannot exit the country and I cannot travel back home to see my family and I don't know what's gonna happen and I receive papers that maybe they're gonna deport me if the answer is negative and all of these there is a status uncertainty that is hard. All that to say that I found myself really much wanting to get pregnant and not uh, getting there. So for three years, I would say, we were not trying to get pregnant, but we were not trying to avoid it either. And I had never been pregnant before and I was getting a little bit older and there is a lot of pressure from the medical community. So here in Finland, uh, the mark really is 35 is like 
well, I mean, I say here in Finland, but I know many places is the same. After 35, if you're pregnant, you are having a geriatric pregnancy, apparently, and all that. So there was also uh, this pressure that if if um, I would go, when would I go past the moment uh, if there's a problem that I could receive some help, some medical help to conceive, even though this was not the way I was trying to go. So anyway, after three years, I saw an OBGYN in the Finnish public system because I wanted to know if there was a problem. And I was also starting to think that there was definitely something wrong with my hormones. Very heavy PMS, quite a short cycle, and my bleeding was very painful every day, every day, every month. I was still under 35. Uh, so the public system doctor I, I saw told me to try, try. As I said, we were not trying to conceive, but we were not trying not to. So the the protocol here in Finland is to try for a year and uh, if it doesn't happen then they assume that there is a problem and he told me that if in a year I was not pregnant I should come back. Uh, so this doctor, this first doctor I saw, refused to test my hormones. One year later I found myself in the cabinet of the fertility specialist in the public system again with my husband they did exam physical exam to him and it took like five minutes and then they did a physical exam to me which took like 30 minutes I put my panties back on and I go sit in this chair and this lady specialist uh, look at us barely because you know in Finland not too much contact but she looks at us and says, okay, so there seems to be no problem. There seems to be no problem. Everything is good. Everything looks good. So what I would do with you first is we're going to try to do artificial insemination for which you're going to have to take hormones. And then if it doesn't work after three shots, after three months, after three cycles, then we're going to go for in vitro. And I just started crying. I was very confused first because she, in the same breath, tells me that there is no problem, but they want to do this. And the, the medical staff was also very confused that why am I crying? Um, <laughs> and I tried to explain them that I was dreaming of this home birth and I was like, I'm joking when I talk about this, but I'm like envisioning this free bird naked in the, the woods, like screaming to the moon. And of course, like, I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's not valid. And I know this might be very triggering for some people, but this for me being told that I would not get pregnant naturally, quote-unquote, was a loss. And I had to grieve this thing. And also, I was sure that there is a problem. Like, I only went there 
so they could tell me what is the problem. And they told me, well, sometimes it's unexplained. So I got this diagnosis of unexplained infertility. I asked them how long did I have to kind of accept this offer and they told me that they told me well it depends how many kids you want so I said well I want at least one um, and then then I asked this specialist if they could test my hormones to which she said no which for me is really really weird because they were ready to give me hormones. In fact, when I left the hospital, I had a prescription for these hormones that I should be taking for this artificial insemination. But they refused to test if at this point I had an hormonal imbalance. They said also that uh, they had to do uh, an exam to see if my uh, tubes were still open. Otherwise, they could not do the artificial insemination. I went a week after that to see another fertility specialist. They checked my tubes, tubes were open, and I asked again, then could we make an hormone test and they looked at me as if I was coming from another planet um, so yeah if you are not familiar with uh, the Finnish public system you might think it's really really weird and it doesn't make any sense and you're right what I came to learn is that there is one protocol for one diagnosis meaning when you go to see a doctor they will give you a diagnosis it is it even as a number like a code with numbers and then a name you're gonna be treated for this by any kind of doctor you don't meet a doctor that will follow you or even if you have a surgery you don't meet with the surgeon before because you're going to be operated on by the surgeon who's working the day that your operation is scheduled. So basically, with this diagnosis of unexplained infertility, with no contraindication, my tube were open and so on and so on, this was the protocol. And nowhere in this protocol was testing the hormones. Anyway, back to the point. What I did at this point, because I was not ready to let go of this dream of um, having this natural pregnancy or natural conception. And maybe I was also sensing that there was um, that some things preventing me. Like I said, I was suspecting this hormonal imbalance, but I think I also had to do a lot of shadow work 
and also recognize that maybe my partner was not the partner I needed to uh, build a family with. I took my money and I found this private coach, this private hormonal coach who would test my hormones every day for a cycle and then uh, of course we discovered there was a hormonal imbalance and she made this whole protocol of uh, supplement and vitamin and practices um, to tackle the problem. So that's what I did and at the same time I got really really geek into all these hormonal things um, so yeah, I started to do a lot of research myself and learn how it works and like what, you, what one should eat and what one should do. And I was meditating a lot and yeah, and eventually uh, I, was, I was healing myself. I was also, I did a whole thing to heal my guts and physically uh, I think, yeah, I did this really intense amazing healing at the same time I really wanted to tackle other blocks that could be there so I started to try to heal my mother wound and doing a lot of exercise with this and going back in my uh, my ancestors my grandmothers like what could be things that prevent me to get pregnant. There was a very interesting thing that came up. Actually, there was many different things uh, that came. There is a, a story um, in my family. And now I'm being a bit self-conscious because I did not ask anyone. I did not tell anyone in my family that I'm I was making this podcast okay most likely they are not gonna hear this um, and yeah <laughs> but, um, there is traumatic events that happened to my grandmother uh, related to pregnancy and birth and losing a child in the form of having to give them away because back in 1950 in the 1950s in Quebec where I'm from the church was very very powerful and very important and very entangled in questions of procreation as i mean it still is in many regards but back in quebec in the 50s it was really not a possible thing to be not married and have a child so women or girls they were called girls that would uh, get pregnant would be sent away in secrecy so because this was very scandalous so no one should know and they were sent away uh, usually to um, non-convent 
or something like that to finish their pregnancy and give birth and be taking uh, their baby away from them to be given in adoption to another family. And so this is a story in my own lineage, in my own blood lineage. And I eventually was being made aware of the fact that the men, my grandmother had conceived this baby with was Iranian which sounds really weird because why on earth would this guy Iranian guy be in Quebec in the 1950s I don't know what year exactly um, but yeah like what was he doing there I don't know but apparently he was Iranian and that was mostly why they could not be together for some reason uh, with this French-Canadian girl, my grandmother. So anyway, I did a lot of like energetic work and I did a lot of journeying into these blocks that were not necessarily mine. Some of the blocks were mine. Some of the blocks were family stuff. Um, so yeah, there was, uh, but at the same time, this physical healing happening and then this kind of ancestral trauma tackling. And eventually my marriage dissolved and I found myself um, quite isolated during the pandemic um, and I started like I said I was practicing a lot but I then started to practice specifically kundalini yoga every day I was having this practice and for those who might not be very familiar with kundalini yoga it is very very potent it's super strong and in kundalini yoga we say that it's uh, there is a lot of ways you know there is a lot of practice you can have and a lot of different lineage you can follow but kundalini yoga is very very quick it's gonna get you there very quickly and so one thing that happens in kundalini yoga is there's a lot of breath work and it taps directly it links directly to your vagus nerve and um yeah we're gonna talk about this probably in and not probably we're gonna talk about this in following episodes but i started practicing kundalini yoga every day and i remember thinking okay now it's very weird i don't have a partner but I know I was very scared that I would never get pregnant before that point. But then at this point, I knew this was going to happen. And so another thing that is very uplifting in the Kundalini Yoga community is people will support you with their positive energy. And people are believers. And I stumble upon 
my teacher, actually two, two teachers of mine. And the first one told me, yeah, it's gonna happen now. It's, I'm sure it's gonna happen. And there was this kind of really positive faith. And I was sharing this faith also. So that was one thing. Um, and the story goes that when I felt ready to get back there, it was springtime, it was so sunny outside. And of course, here in Finland, it's so dark, seriously, in the winter. And when it's spring, everyone comes back to life and it's amazing. So. I felt ready to get out there and find love. I don't know. So I eventually met this guy who's now my partner, who's now the father of my baby. And if you can imagine this, I met with this guy and we got along so, so, so well. And he's from Iran. So... I had an Iranian baby, which my grandmother could not do, which somehow feels like a healing of some kind. So yeah, this is a very, very weird, very interesting thing. And I was saying two of my teachers, um, I feel that the other teacher is also um, also uplifted us quite a lot uh, for this, this pregnancy to happen. Back when I met with my partner, we traveled to Mallorca for a yoga retreat and we worked with this teacher and in the end she basically blessed us in a very touching and very on point way and then we went back home and lived our life and we were all really in love and all really mm, strengthened by this old Mallorcan experience and um, about a month after that this teacher passed away uh, and everyone was praying for her uh, for recovery she was in the hospital and everyone was chanting everyone was trying to gather and trying to yeah older and and the night she passed I dreamt that I was pregnant and it was a very very vivid and very very strong dream and when I woke up in the morning I got the news that she had passed in the night in the in the early morning actually and so I feel that my child is her last gift or at least a gift maybe not the last but 
a gift from her and I've been feeling this for my entire pregnancy and uh, many times when I look at my child I think about this and I am very grateful to her yeah but I did not I did not get to know that I was pregnant right right away and this is a story for next episode where I will continue talking to you about my motherhood journey I want to thank you so so much for listening to me and listening to this story I hope you enjoyed it um, and I hope you will reach out to me if you have any questions or any suggestion. In the meantime, I will say a goodbye to you. You've been listening to the Aquarian Mother podcast. Thank you for being with us. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review. And don't forget to follow us so you don't miss out. See you next time.